Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. We watched a beloved bad movie just so we could watch a new good movie about a bad movie. Here's what we think about The Room and The Disaster Artist. Along the way, we'll get spoilers for both The Disaster Artist and The Room, as well as Spider-Man 2 and The Family Stone. Sometimes uh, people make bad movies. And then there are times when those bad movies become, I don't know, notorious, beloved because of their badness. And then sometimes bad movie gets so bad and so beloved for its badness that somebody makes a movie about the badness of the bad movie, the beloved badness of the bad movie. Yeah, or in this case, I can only think of one particular scenario. Nah, Troll 2, they did it too. Two particular <laughs> scenarios. 12 Dates of Christmas. There's, There's no, no making of 12 <laughs> Dates of Christmas. Not yet. <laughs> You're going to do it. <laughs> 12 Dates of Christmas needs time to gain momentum. You know, we're we're just part of the groundswell. Eventually, oh, you're the early adopter. Yes, for 12 eventually dates. there'll be enough people demanding a Twelve Dates of Christmas documentary. Never. <laughs> I like to think of you hate movies as kind of a gateway project, a gateway project leading up to the Twelve Dates of Christmas film. But I I prefer to go about the Twelve Dates of Christmas film project less like. The Troll 2 documentary style. Oh, you don't want to gather movie. back in the cast and crew? Yeah, I don't want to make a documentary about 12 Dates of Christmas per se. I want to do more like the disaster artist in which we are dramatizing the making the of. production of 12 <laughs> Dates of Christmas. So, we so, so there'd be a bunch of ABC family producers getting together in a room and Yeah, you know, the this thing play, a played by celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> Who would who would suggest the line that honey doesn't have a smell? Amy Smart is that the actress's mm-hmm. name? Yeah, and Mark Paul from uh, Saved, Saved by, by the Bell. Bell. Yeah, what's going on? There's this good. There's got to be a story there. I want the movie to start with like this. You know, we open <laughs> uh, in an office. Amy Smart enters. <laughs> she sits in front of her agent, played by the same woman who plays Estelle in Friends. Sure. Okay, that's Baby. <laughs> She's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> She's Baby. back in the wig God and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we got a new project. It's from ABC Family. Everyone loved you and Just Friends. You got to do Christmas. Christmas is big. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Smart sighs and she pinches the bridge of her nose and takes a deep breath and goes, let me see it. This is ABC Family? All right. And then we cut to the same exact situation, but happening with Mark Paul and his <laughs> agent. You know? No, no, no. With him, it's like, yes, please, give me work. <laughs> yeah, anything. <laughs> I don't have a choice. I got a mortgage. Which is a shame, because his performance in 12 Dates of Christmas is actually really solid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You're totally right, yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did so well. Yeah. yeah. It did. But until we have that movie right now, we have to settle for <laughs> the topic of this episode and us doing this podcast as a means to get to our 12 Dates of Christmas movie. <laughs> right now, tentatively titled, Honey Doesn't Have a Smell. <laughs> <laughs> That's the working title, and it amuses at least one audience <laughs> member. <laughs> so, because it does have a smell. You know, it, it seems to me that I only know of Two, I'm sure there's more. I only know t- of two movies like this that have a cult following because of the sheer unbelievable badness. The first one being what Matt mentioned, which is Troll 2, which spawned a, uh, a documentary, Best Worst Movie, and Midnight Screenings, and you know costumes and all that stuff. But I actually didn't even hear well, there's, about... There's also... Um, <laughs> not 12 Dates of Why Christmas. Why are you pointing at me? Yeah, you can't <laughs> see Tyler in the studio. See, it's the movie that Sarah... Bought us tickets for, but we were too afraid to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, but it's Rocky that's not Horror, a bad movie. Rocky Horror Picture Show is supposed to be like, oh, it's it's so bad and weird, and everyone goes and sees sees it in theaters I so think that they can interact. Is Rocky that's slightly different. That people yeah, go and see that because it's like a cult classic and is a great movie. Yeah, yeah I think they like it as a real movie. The Room, which oh, is a great movie. I People think they like it, it ironically, but it's yeah. the same yeah, dynamic of interactive theater sure. where you're getting on stage and cross-dressing during rock or Rocky Horror Picture Show. But yeah, for but the room, you're going and you're throwing spoons at the screen on cue. Yeah, yeah we, haven't even, we haven't even set up the room. Oh, we set it up. We didn't 
You just the spoiler alert. That's what we're talking about. The room. Uh, I totally gave it away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned the disaster artist already. I did, but what I'm saying is that we're that's the whole point <laughs> yeah. we're getting at. Is that all right? Shut really, it down. I really killed our uh, intro. There, I didn't. Way. I didn't actually hear about the room until the. I think until the disaster artist was being promoted. Yeah, it's the same. So a friend of ours that actually let us borrow the the DVD we <laughs> the watched D- kept saying DVD. You need to watch the room. It's terrible. It's like that. It's not like then a good review. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I had heard of it because it's always like at the top of t- top ten worst movies ever made lists, and they always say, "Oh, this guy Tommy, he made a movie with his own money, and it's bad." <laughs> Why don't they talk okay. in that voice? <laughs> and, then, and, All right, and boy, were they right. The so get back to 12 Dates of Christmas. Around the time <laughs> that we were watching 12 Dates of Christmas, Tyler and I were at a Christmas party. And I walked in. I see sees Tyler across the room. And I says to myself, I says, oh, there's Tyler. Let me go talk to him. You know, it's yeah. a crowded Christmas party. You mm-hmm. got to find someone to connect to so mm-hmm. that you got like a stake in the socialization. I'm great at parties. Yeah. You know Wait, what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm yeah, but I'm sad. Why wasn't I at that? Oh, party? this usually, has nothing to do with I'm you. Usually, so. life of the party. <laughs> so I go. Tyler's I, normally hanging out by the uh, open window because he gets a bit overheated. Yeah, it gets hot in parties. <laughs> he like doesn't windows, like it when yeah. there's too many people in, in a party. In this case, yeah. I think he was by bread. <laughs> I was standing by the wine. He always wears a tuxedo yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So I see the top hat and I make my way over to Tyler. Old Mr. Moneybags. And almost immediately, two young men come up to us and they start talking to us about You Hate Movies. And we're a big deal. No sooner do they mention You Hate Movies that they bring up The Room. You gotta do The Room. You gotta do The Room. (laughs) Smoking a cigarette, blowing the smoke in our face. (laughs) Tyler, baby, (laughs) you gotta do The Room. (laughs) That was just that lady from (laughs) Seinfeld. You gotta see The (laughs) The Baby. baby. Like yeah. that, our Hawaiian friend <laughs> just turned into an old Brooklyn Jewish lady. <laughs> he's, he's actually Japanese, so he's no, Japanese Hawaiian. Okay, okay. Anyway, he wanted us to do the room, and we said, "Ah, you know, we, then we got to watch it, and it's a whole <laughs> thing." And that brings us to tonight's episode. So we have Patrick on the here, and he watched the room and the disaster artist. <laughs> I did back, back to back. back. But then we have Mike Jensen, who I'm here. he put a stake in the ground and said, mm-hmm. I will not watch The Room, but <laughs> I will watch The Disaster. Exactly. Yeah. This turned into a whole long debate with Mike and, well, I guess maybe me. I was, I was, was spearhead, via, via text message. Just you two, really. yeah, we were just yelling at each other. We were just watching text. the text message we'll, blow we'll, up. We'll have to get into this in the episode at some point. But yeah, the, the debate was whether or not the disa- seeing The Disaster Artist... Um, if if any pre knowledge of the room would enrich the disaster yeah, artist or right. not, which right. none of us could know, having seen neither, right. I I strongly argued that surely seeing the room first would make the disaster artist better. Yeah, and I felt I just didn't want to put myself through that, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I did. Well, wait, you had a great you had a great logical argument, which was <laughs> it's lost in the ethos. I think you said. Uh, I want to see a good movie about a bad movie, yes. not a bad movie. Yes, yeah, that's correct. That's and right. I still yeah. feel that way, but yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. Which mm-hmm. to me, the logic added up. I mean, that's what the man wanted. You know, wanted a good movie and not a bad movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems Don't pretty sensible. <laughs> Tyler insisted that we needed to watch. Uh, we got to do our due diligence here, gentlemen. We we have a movie podcast. It's true. So we got how, that DVD. How can we say that we love movies unless we watch the bad? Tyler, who advocated for the room, is Terrible. obviously on the show, and uh, Matt, who uh, likes the working title of the <laughs> Twelve Dates of Christmas film, is on the show. I'm Josh, and I'm here. It's funny. And uh, if you're that guy who keeps winning Trivia Tuesday, Miles, Miles. hashtag <laughs> Trivia Tuesday. Yeah, if you don't know about the internet, uh, you hate movies has an active social media presence, but then there's an anonymous well, it's person. Really, it's really just a Twitter presence. Yeah, well, we, Instagram? we have no, Instagram. No, we have our and, and we have a Facebook, but I don't who who even. Yeah, <laughs> who even? <laughs> Moms from Ohio aren't listening. That's if all, you are, all the arguments are going down. On write Twitter. us on Facebook. So on the Twitter sphere, there's an anonymous party who uh, runs that. What's the the account? Is just you, quotes from the show. You, you hate, hate movies. Quotes. It's you yeah, hate. That's pretty straightforward. Quotes. You hate quotes. Fact check. The point is, this anonymous party who honestly isn't 
one of us that I know of, unless it's one of these guys in the room or Abby's doing it secretly or something. Is it you, Abby? That's why Bethany isn't on the hasn't been on the show the last couple of times. She's too busy uh, with that no, Twitter account. She doesn't ever tweet unless it's a psalm. Maybe this is her getting her energy out. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yeah, it's at it's at you hate quotes. Oh, so you're right. The Tyler, title is Tyler was right again. Well, no, look, because then above it, the name of the that account is you hate it. movies quotes. Life no, of the party, Nora trivia. What can he do wrong? I don't know. So why is it that picture of you and Bethy? That's weird. Well, Bethy and I are the fan favorites. Like uh, I said, I'm I the know. life I of the party. The point is, I think I've uh, quite a following. This this man or a woman does Trivia Tuesday, and one of the questions was about this thing we do monthly called Movie Club, and Tyler which is the genesis of this whole thing. What are we What are we even doing here? It's because of Movie Club. Movie Club was the springboard to You Hate Movies, which is the springboard to Honey Doesn't Have a Smell. The Twelve Dates of <laughs> Christmas Story coming twenty twenty one. We also needed to give Twelve Dates of Christmas enough time to marinate. Uh-huh. Appreciate it. Need it. It needs a few more Christmas seasons. Yeah, because then it is the room was like a filmed in the late nineties, right? No, two thousand three. Two thousand three. It, it sure looked like, like it was like filmed yeah. in ninety three, but it was two <laughs> oh, no, no, no. thousand three. It came out in two thousand three, but it took them. Yeah, they a probably long time they probably shot it. it. Some room fan is no. According to the, to the disaster artist, took them eight, like months. eight months. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. It was supposed to be forty days or whatever. Yeah, and it keeps and going. Six and going. million dollars. Yeah. yeah, it was like 60 days of filming and eight months of editing. <laughs> <laughs> so Tyler says to us, he says, we should go see the disaster artist. But before we do that, we must watch the room together on DVD. Well, yeah. And then it was none other than one of those young men at the party who says, you got to do the room. <laughs> he gave us the room on DVD. And it exists on Blu-ray. After the fact, I saw an interview on Jimmy Kimmel with uh, James Franco and Tommy Wiseau. And Jimmy Kimmel holds up on his desk a Blu-ray, Blu-ray. copy of The Room. I'm like, well, what the heck? wonder if that's recent. Why are we watching the DVD? And we know they shot it on an HD camera. <laughs> yeah, <we laughs> yeah. They sure did. <laughs> as well as a uh, film camera. So uh, we sit down to watch this thing. And I'm sure some of you guys that are listening have, have seen the film. It's it's difficult to describe in that it is the experience you're expecting, but it also kind of confounds the senses. Confounds, yeah. You know, there, there's a pa- Patrick and I and Mike actually used to, in the early 2000s or somewhere thereabouts, have this tradition where on weekends we'd go to the local video store and they had dollar VHS rentals yep. for like the whole weekend. So we would get three or four of the worst looking horror movies that we could find on VHS that had like the long, you know, the longer the title and that just production values looked horrible. Jeepers Creepers. Jeepers Creepers is like a major yeah. studio yeah. movie. Yeah, Jeepers oh, Creepers yeah. is yeah. like up there. <laughs> yeah, it was directed this by a pedophile. This was some garbage. <laughs> yeah. <That's> garbage. <laughs> we would much worse than that, you yeah. know, uh, and, and bring them back and watch them. And it's, you'd find a movie like The Room every now and then. Uh, but not quite. The the room has this level of bizarre crappiness that has you constantly going, wait, what? You know, and I suppose that's mm-hmm. why the, the watchability is there because it is it is funny, but it is also kind of a miserable experience. If it hadn't been for Tyler laughing through the whole thing, then I I would have the, the <laughs> moment it started. Tyler was there was two title in, cards, two freaking logos, <laughs> why were there two, title two cards? logos for Why So Films. Yeah, well, this this is the the cultural obsession with the room is because you can watch it and clearly identify how bad it is, but you find yourself questioning, is it really brilliant? <laughs> That's what mm, I, don't I don't know. I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't there. ever That's get that deep into it's it. Just more, it's more like there's so many question marks hanging in the air that are begging for an answer. It's, you know, I think of uh, the best way for me to explain it to you, Mike, is Mike became obsessed at one point in his life with a CDR that had been handed to him by a young man during his travels. And it was this man doing reading poetry into a microphone on his you know, PC. And he thought that he was going to become like a performance artist with this poetry. And it was some of the worst poetry you've ever heard in your life. And it was riddled with like, uh, you know, bad grammar and uh, weird edits mispronunciations and, and effects. 
and Mike listened to it over and over and over. You'd fall asleep in this you know, van we traveled around and you'd wake up and he'd be listening to this poet again. You'd be like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to figure out what he means by this line. <laughs> and I think maybe I've unlocked the real meaning of this yeah. poem. That's what people do with the room. The room. Yeah. They become so There's entertained and obsessed by it that they're like, Wait, well, but why? There's something there, man. There's we something just, there. We just we can't figure it out. He's too he's too brilliant. He's ahead of his time. Well, the you know the problem with getting at a movie that's already become something of a pop culture phenomenon after the fact is that then, then you're just like walking into the party when everyone's already wearing a costume and holding a spoon in their hand and saying catchphrases to each other, and you're like, yeah, yeah, My totally a spoon. Wife. Yeah, what Arnold? Arnold? Arnold. <laughs> Arnold? Is that Arnold? My, my, I can't. I'm not gonna try again. I think maybe you should. You are my f- no. My, <laughs> what a story, Mark. <laughs> Greg. Greg, Mark. But you Mark, have to. Mark. You have to is Greg the, is the Mark real is guy. The character Greg is you, the actor. You have to lead with the the terribly ill-timed laughter with that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the laughter was great. He was so relaxed listening to that. So anyway, the point is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, without having seen it, all you need to understand is the thing is bad to the degree that the fascination with it uh, sp- spawned this film, The Disaster Artist, which until you know recent uh, allegations against James Franco was probably a big contender for award seasons and everything else. Yep. So we go to see that movie as well. And after having seen it, the question lingers in the air, was our experience enhanced by having seen the room prior or is seeing the room, you know, a non issue. Mm-hmm. Mike didn't see it mm-hmm. and what'd you think of the disaster artist? Uh I thought the movie The Disaster Artist was good, but it made me uh even less so like I really didn't like the room and I didn't see it, so I hated the room even more. What? <laughs> what in what way did the disaster artist put you off of because the room? I guess because, like, it starts out and all the celebrities are, like, kissing the the room and saying how amazing it is and how they want to know this guy. And it just put a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I thought that, that part was stupid. Yeah, it just set it up <laughs> for me weird. <laughs> you, didn't <laughs> so like the, like, you didn't like the celebrity <laughs> testimonials? It was because well, none it, of them are saying, like... It's such a garbage movie, it's amazing. They were all talking about it like it's a real good movie. Maybe that's what they thought. Or maybe that part was scripted. J.J. Abrams know. doesn't he might? love the room. You, oh, you know J.J. personally. You know J. J. There's not enough lens flare in it for him. J.J. Oh, I essentially thought that the, the movie was good, but because uh, of seeing what happened with the making uh, of the room, I just... I just didn't like the room even more, and it oh made me gosh. not like the disaster artist somewhat, even though I did like it. <laughs> Let me and give like, you some insight. Into the, the room seeped into the disaster artist, and like gave me. I was just like, hmm. man, so, you don't right. know the room. A couple of nights ago, Mike was <laughs> describing to me this hostility that he has for the room, and I'm like, how can you hate it so much when you haven't seen it? And he makes me pull up a Vox video that's describing the phenomenon of when a bad movie becomes beloved. And I will admit, it was it was incredibly pretentious. The gentleman that was narrating the video was just basically saying, if you like it, it's because you're so smart that you get it. <laughs> yeah, he was like talking about how... Like, it's like people that love face-off. Yeah, he was talking about... I like, love face-off. See, movie. there you go. <laughs> he was using phrases like loving something ironically and how that proves a superior intellect. And oh, no, I, I genuinely love face-off. I think it's a great movie. <laughs> There's no irony there. <laughs> and uh, and Mike was like, I saw this and I thought, oh, I'll never watch this trash movie. I hate it forever. Just like, because you, you don't want to be guy. pretentious. You don't want to be all hoity-toity and pretentious. I was, I was w- I'm worried that if I watch it and I like it, then that, that's that what means, I am. That means you're just <laughs> you just didn't want this doofus. guy. I don't want to be these people. <laughs> this condescending guy insulting your yeah, intelligence. Yeah. So, well, but if you watch it and don't like it, that doesn't mean you're not as smart as this we, guy, I mean, or maybe it does. You're talking to me about it, and I can go ahead and say there were parts of in watching it with you guys that I felt like lame because I didn't watch the room, and I felt mm. like I got you know I was like, like oh, what? So it's clear that I was well, I you, was right. You recognize that in the in the viewing, of the movie, yeah. like I what did. from the there opening like, scene? Well, yes, there was mentions of things right away, but like I could hear mutters of things like that you guys were connecting dots along the way oh, that yeah. I couldn't. And I was like, 
You know what? I'm going to pretend I don't hear that. And just keep <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The movie, the disaster artist was full of subtleties yes. from the room. Right. You could tell. So that they don't ever acknowledge. Like there's a scene where uh, Tommy goes to pick up Dave. Is it Dave? Craig? Greg. Greg Sestro. Dave Franco. Dave Franco. Yeah, yeah. we're with so Dave, many names. Greg, Mark. Right. A guy uh, playing a guy to, that plays a guy. Goes to pick him yeah. up at his house and he's driving that same white Mercedes that's in the movie. And yeah. Like, oh, that's funny. When and he they goes never to buy flowers. Hello, yeah. doggy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's like, bring the football. Yeah, bring the football. Loves playing football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was fun, but wouldn't you agree that the disaster artist, if you find it enjoyable, it is pretty self-sufficiently enjoyable? Yeah, uh, if I weren't with you guys, I'm saying I would you were, be fine with it. So knowing I that, tell knowing I that we were having a better time <laughs> yes, ruined it for you? Yes, I could tell. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. <laughs> I was like, these guys are so out, pretentious man. over here. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but let me tell you something. We freaking earned those like five extra laughs we got because we had to watch no, the room. Yes, I, I'm sure you that. did. I'm sure it was like some like, of the was. Is that Patrick sounded like he was burnt out when we were leaving the theater? What, yeah. you had too much room by that point? Yeah. Too much Tommy. To to put it in perspective, we sat down. Yeah, Tommy ache. <laughs> and we watched. What? Tommy ache. Tommy ache. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he had a Tommy That's good, man. That's, that's a solid pun. That's going to be a, a you Say, hate quotes. Yeah. Right Save that for the writing of the, you know, honey doesn't have a smell. We need that kind of wit for our script. (laughs) Sorry. What gave you the tummy ache? We watched the room and then stood up, put our coats on, and went straight to the theater to watch The Disaster Artist. And I was burned out on Tommy by the end of that. So I feel like if I just had a day to think about it, you know. To recover from the the Tommy break. I would have enjoyed it more. Because a few days later, I was like, oh, I really did like the disaster artist, not the room, but it took me a minute to get there because I was sick of it. I was sick of him. It's too much, it's too much Tommy. It's too, it's much. too much Tommy. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, he's a lot of personality. <laughs> yeah, it's funny too because the both the lore around the room and its carryover into the disaster artist are so like themselves beloved things like, oh, where's he really from and how old is he? The things yeah. that they amplify throughout the movie. Then at the end of it, uh, the room... Before we had seen the disaster artist, someone says, so where's he from and why does he have that accent? And Matt goes, that's the best part. No one knows and they don't know how old he is. And I open IMDb and there's like, oh, he's 65 and he's from No, Poland. that's guesswork. That's yeah. never I, been I assumed, I assumed it was the case, but it was funny to see how that sucked the fun. Out of and Matt <laughs> went, oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Oh, he's <laughs> just from Poland and he was <laughs> uh, born I in 1962. That's, that's what's contributed to the, to the hype in a lot of ways for the room because it's, it's he's an all-american man right like he says in the room and he lives the american dream by mysteriously funding his own movie and that that right there is enough to like catch people's interest saying who the heck is this guy but for him to never admit where he's from or how old he is that's just bananas. Who is this guy? He's a vampire. And so all the information that shows up on IMDb or Wikipedia is like investigative work and best guesses by people. Yeah, that it's know conjecture them. and stuff. But isn't that, that's just, yeah. who, who is him. this guy? How yeah. old is he? 105. Where is he from? This is old as Greg, he said. Transylvania. I've heard a theory that he's a vampire. I, I... Well, I just said it. And it could very well be, right? Did you hear, and there's did you also hear, a theory on the that he's like a, a count from... <laughs> Those are the same, right? Yeah, <laughs> like like a vampire would be. <laughs> well, no, not all... He's not got all, a castle and wolves. Not all counts are vampires, but all <laughs> vampires are counts. No, that I don't. Uh, I think non, that your Venn diagram is wrong. He could be a count that doesn't two. carry the vampirial dream. <laughs> There's just Dracula at the Sesame Street. Celine in Underworld is not a count. You don't know. She's one fox account. She'd be a countess anyway. Duh. So I think that's that's pretty cool that he didn't tell anyone. Where are we? Is the the fact that he remains so elusive intentional? Like he knew he would... He, is it like a is it a, a move of brilliance? Because to keep he doesn't want Van Helsing to find him. In mystery, no, he must have some kind of like old person superstition about. Oh, I don't want anyone to find out I'm from blank because then, 
I'll have to divulge. So, you know, it's like how grandparents don't want to use buy something online. That's how they get you if you buy yeah. something online. Like how my granddad s- shreds s- envelopes the FBI with his address sh- on it. Yeah, shows Just up and takes you away. And you're like, well, the whole world's doing it. So yeah. we're all going down together except you, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. if you watch The Room in the context of apocalypse. this guy mysteriously funding his own movie and not knowing anything about him, it's kind of an exciting ride because it's it's so bizarre. No one's done anything like it, and it's and it's <laughs> it's uh, it seems to be quite telling of him as a person. And I feel like by the end of the movie, certainly the way it ends, it almost feels like a cry for attention, and you don't know really what, <laughs> like what what is yeah, what is clearly he trying the to guy do? was in some amount of pain. What yeah, what's he trying to do? So it's like you feel like you've you've taken on like an emo you've you've endured an emotional toll watching the the room and i felt like going and seeing the disaster artist right afterward was like almost like therapy you know it's like a it's like a grief a group grief yeah, everyone session. sits around and talks about what they've been through <laughs> right where we can we yeah. can process what we just experienced well one of the jarring things about watching the room to go back to the dollar vhs thing is that when you're watching movies like that that are bad there's usually like a standard of crap production quality that's just like, oh my gosh, that's a sock puppet. Or, you know, the, even to watch a movie that's beloved and is not bad, like The Room, but has bad production values, like Evil Dead or something, you're like, yep, yep, that's the top of the sound stage. And right. that's not the same actor, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And The Room has this bizarre balance of like high production values executed horribly. Like right. there's a sincere DP on the shoot. Yeah, there's he, real he hired, cameras, hired <laughs> professionals, professional equipment, professional uh, filmmakers, and he spent it rumored up to six million dollars. Yeah, so there's like a real yeah, there's a real script script supervisor working with a horrible script, and there's a real DP working with the stupidest camera setup. Yeah, that right. makes no sense. Two cameras side by side that don't work together and that no one does. Uh, but that's, no like, good that's like kind of the thrill of the movie, too, is how how much money is spent on such a, an amateur production. Yeah. It's, this guy's never made a movie. He's never he's surely never even written anything of value. <laughs> what are you doing? We don't know. <laughs> and so and so it's it's kind of like a weird like place to be where you're seeing this clearly like student film low quality very amateur like something a, a middle schooler would make in his backyard with his friends type type script and production with a huge budget and it's so it's, it's kind of weird it's kind of a weird contrast to see a middle so schooler would disbelief. probably also have sex with the girl's belly button because he wouldn't <laughs> understand <laughs> sex yeah, right. it's, it's it's almost that a middle schooler <laughs> <laughs> somebody on I the internet the described it like uh no, that's how I described it. No, someone else on the internet described but it Tyler as just did it now. somebody who had never seen a movie. A space alien has never seen a movie, <laughs> but has had them described to him. Right. Sure. Tries to make one. Yeah, it I felt mean, like he could be an alien. It that felt would like work. Tommy wanted to wanted to create uh, like a soft core pornographic film, but then just got carried away with the story. Which is interesting because in the Disaster Artist. The sexuality of the room is really factors minimally in the film, right. other than for a like a comedic scene that one meet and an awkward scene, disturbing scene. a yeah. disturbingly disturbing and comedic scene. Yeah, it's disturbing, but they play it for laughs, at least partly. I don't think that the that even these guys had the stomach to do as many sex scenes as the room. Well, that's the strange thing is there were three in the first thirty minutes. The impression that you get watching the room is like, oh, clearly. This guy wanted to just put himself with act an actress and put another actor <laughs> with an actress and just do these like badly shot Cinemax type things. But then in the Disaster Artist, he's depicted as having a lot more ambition for. In his head, he was making like a sophisticated drama. Yeah, the in the Disaster Artist, he was depicted as having artistic integrity. Yes, he had he had a purpose for them, not just for the sake of yeah. The and sex I scene. I think behind people's affinity for the room sometimes might be the hope holding out hope that it could be the case that maybe he's doing this on purpose 
and we're just not on we're not on his wavelength you know what mm. i mean like it's almost like an andy kaufman type thing and it's like yeah no no he knows what he's doing it's not that he sucks that's a good example it's just that we don't yeah. get it you know and that yeah. makes it that makes that guy in the Vox video be like, you're just, yeah. you got to be smart. To yeah, like that's the right here. Yeah. <laughs> that's what people are holding out hope for. But I think in reality, I don't think that's what it what's just happening. doesn't seem like it's the case. And you know, it's funny too, because in the other uh, documentary, we mentioned best worst movie about troll Two, the director of troll Two, who's not in the documentary a ton is a lot like Tommy in that he's got, <laughs> you know, he's this mysterious ax guy with an accent that, is absolutely convinced that he made a good movie. He's offended by vampire. the pop culture. Like, like we love it because it sucks. He's like, it doesn't suck. So I made a good movie. Right. What, are you, what right. are you talking about? Uh, yeah, so. we, we all know we all know people like this that are kind of socially oddballs. Not not like not necessarily certified weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> certified. I don't know if I'd Who's go, doing that? I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah, but okay. but uh, oddballs uh-huh. who who somehow got the the funding to greenlight their script. Where'd he get his money from? Where's Tommy's money from? And so I think that that's the magic of the room. Maybe his, maybe Count Dracula left him a lot in his... I mean, I guess if he's Vlad, been alive 500 years, <laughs> the Vlad the he could have just been accruing interest on like a savings bond. To have yeah. six million dollars for a movie. Right. Clever investments. <laughs> so back to the documentary versus the. <laughs> I I think seeing the room first was the right idea, to do. It. I think Tyler was right, even though it was too close to the real one for me. But when we were watching the room, we all were like, "This sucks." So we were asking out loud, "Why is this happening? Why is that happening?" <laughs> and then the disaster artist spoke to all of those things. Yeah, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah, so that it was, way it, it was, was like therapy. Yeah, yeah, it was therapy. It was group group yeah. counseling. In many cases, the people on screen in the disaster artists are asking the exact same questions yeah. that a first-time viewer right. watch, asks while watching. Seth the room. Rogen is just the everyman. He represents. Yeah, he, he asks out loud the questions that <laughs> you like, will why eventually are you ask. At that horrible story about a girl getting beaten and put in the hospital. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we should do a take where you don't laugh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's human behavior. He says. Yeah, uh, but the performance, uh, James Franco's impression his acting whatever i don't know if it's offensive to call an actor's performance an impression anyway it's really solid in fact you know it's a it's a thing people say like oh they disappear into the role but really they were for much of the movie i was forgetting that it was james franco yeah until he smiled real big and then you could see that squinty big smile that james franco does like the spider-man 3 you know he's secretly seeing mary jane remember that scene in spider-man that's Uh spider-man 3 right uh, no, Spider-Man two. two, and the car yeah. comes yeah, through the Spider-Man cafe. Two. We're gonna refer to our resident Spider-Man expert. Yeah, because he's eating the pie. Yeah, and he goes How's so good. So good. <laughs> yeah, so bizarre. Did you write that spoiler down? Yeah, that he is, eats pie. Is in that the movie? a spoiler? Spoiler. Yeah, he eats pie. A car comes through the thing, and Peter Parker. I agree. I f- I forgot that that was James Franco, a number of times, but it could, it could very well be because we just spent so much time watching Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, but do, I think that his own isn't that a testimony to Franco's yeah, it was performance good. that it was nice we just over. watched the real guy and then to see him play it, it didn't feel like, oh, what an obvious impression. It's, it started to feel like, oh, that's to him. I buy it. Yeah. And inversely, I never for a second forgot that it was Dave Franco and it put me off the entire movie. Oh, yeah, it was definitely Dave Franco. Yeah, like, it oh, took quite right, some Dave time Franco. for me to believe that that could possibly be the guy I just saw in the room. <laughs> right. Yeah. Until he grew his fake beard. Yeah, because he just seemed like a real human in the movie. (laughs) The guy in the room didn't seem like a real human to me. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Yeah, the uh, I feel like what I appreciated from the disaster artist is is uh, the insight it it offered uh, as to the bizarre story of the room, because if you if you look at this guy's life and his even his recent experiences having befriended. Greg. Yes. There's a lot of parallels, kind of creepy parallels that they're trying to they're trying to uh to tell with the disaster artist, which made me actually I I guess appreciate the room a little more because it was just this guy against the same thing. It's like people dealing with their emotions in different ways. This guy spent 6 million dollars to write a script and shoot a film and deal with his 
his his emotions. But he had, uh, you know, according to the disaster artist, finished the script long before he had any kind of hang up with Craig. And then that emotion starts to seep out into the film itself. Uh, well, no, there was there was uh, implications of them already having tension because Greg kept having success as an actor and started oh, dating right. um, yeah, Alison yeah. Brie's he character. He got an agent and everything. Yeah, he had an agent. He had some auditions. He had a girlfriend. He was doing. And well. they were saying he was changing the script as they went too, right? Yeah, did they? Yeah, I, then, yeah, I do remember then, uh, they had him yelling things that show up in the movie, like "Betray me." Right. Like You're outside the restaurant. Apart. Yeah. No, that was Schwarzenegger. That's Arnie again. <laughs> yeah. The put the cookie down. And they would go and film. They would go My and film all the uh, San Francisco scenes at the very end that he added later, which is so bizarre to me too. Because are we supposed to believe that them running around in the park playing football was the very last scene? And that one split shot of them in the room, yeah, wrestling is uh, maybe a real fight. Was, yeah, maybe it was a yeah, real. Yeah, I mean fight. that's that's definitely the implication that the disaster that's is making. Awesome. I don't think it's I true. I like the room more and more as we talk oh, about he's it. He's becoming <laughs> one of them. Oh, man. So pretentious. <laughs> so but uh, so but there's a, a moment in The Disaster Artist where they're sitting around at lunch or whatever, and the main characters, the actors portraying the main characters, are trying to figure out what it's about. Right. Yeah. And uh, and the uh, the girl. Lisa. Lisa. The actress who plays Lisa. The actress who plays the actress. Yeah, right. She thinks that Lisa is the universe, and it just totally feels true that that's what's happening. The other people are just themselves, but then Lisa is the universe because the universe just does not understand him and continues to betray him. And yeah. By the end, he you know he takes his own life in order to show the universe. The psychologist describes the Lisa as a sociopath. It's like yeah, she's, she's like I don't right. care. I'll oh, do Peter, whatever. Peter, Peter the psychologist who disappears after being in three scenes and falling <laughs> while they're playing football in tuxedos. Yeah. And then is just replaced by another guy. But is he the psychologist yeah, still? He certainly plays a psychologist like role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. on purpose. But the, the I feel like there's could be there could be something there that Lisa is the universe who doesn't love him anymore even though he he Tommy believes that the future is is meant something big for him you know where he he and the universe will accomplish something amazing together and he'll finally achieve all his dreams but the universe keeps betraying him the universe sure. doesn't love him anymore I don't know man I think you're reaching. Well, think, no, I think, think you're Prometheus in the room the real hard right now. <laughs> think for a moment about the meta nature of this story. Oh, it's so meta. The you know this yeah. this guy, these two gentlemen, if we're to believe the story, are like probably a, you know tens of millions of people who want to make it. They want to become stars. They move to Hollywood. They're going to try to crack it in a very you know, uh, difficult business that's described in the movie as it's one in a million, even if you are the most talented person in the world. Right, right when Judd Apatow yells at him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he shows up for some reason. And then he, they just say, well, heck, we'll do our own thing, and they do it horribly. But as a result of that, and many years later, he's now actually on stage at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, like showing up at sold out midnight back-to-back midnight screenings of the movie he's on jimmy kimmel promoting he's having this guy award-winning actor play him and depict his story in a movie already while mm-hmm. he's like alive and this thing just happened a few years ago he's a, he has a, a cameo at the end of the disaster artist yeah you know and it's not that bad his cameo maybe he just needed a better director <laughs> franco knew how to get a performance out of it right because his yeah uh, he had to be himself and talk to himself to get a good performance out of <laughs> Yeah, he was still directing himself. What? It was just Franco in a wig. So in the at the conclusion of The Disaster Artist, big spoiler, as the audience, and who knows if the first screening actually went this way, but the audience is t- is being won over by the movie, uh, ironically, as the, you know, the Vox guy says, uh, uh, during the course of the movie's runtime to the point where they begin by watching it the way we watched it the whole time, which mm-hmm. was like groaning, the occasional awkward laugh, and yeah. being like, oh my God, it has 30 minutes left. The that actress that's playing Lisa says, the sex scene is still going. Yeah, she's just the sinking same, in her chair. The same reactions that all of us have. Miserable. Yeah. He's out in the you know the lobby crying, 
which that seemed realistic to me. But then uh, in that hour and a half of the movie, by the end of it, they've become the midnight screening. They're cheering and chanting and throwing things in the air, and they just can't get enough of it. And <laughs> they're chanting, do it. Yeah, when so he's he about to kill himself. himself. Yeah. And he gets on stage and, you know, they make a joke out of him being like, thank you for enjoying my comedic movie. It's exactly what I intended. intended. Yeah. But now his <laughs> life is revolving around this, like, whatever, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to roll with the punches. Unless well, it really I is an Andy Kaufman thing. And it's like this social experiment that. <laughs> no <laughs> way. Well, what, what uh, Greg, is that the real human's name? Yes, <laughs> the human's name is Greg. Mark, Mark, Greg, and Dave, right? Dave is playing Greg, is playing yes, Mark. Yes, yes. Greg has that great line at the end of The Disaster Artist about do you think Hitchcock ever got a reaction like this? And that actually is a really thought provoking question because he did have. Isn't that the point of art is to, is to stir a reaction out of the viewer? And he certainly did. Yeah. We all felt it when we were watching it. It was... It was yeah, but the it feeling was, was like despair and Dark mix of emotions. And just hatred. Well, I will say that one uh, film critic or, you know, like guy who studies film that wrote about the room we watched online described it in like a kind of balanced and interesting way by saying that is like the movie well written and well produced of course not is the movie better or on the level of you know some of these other things that there's kevin smith and jj abrams are saying like is it an auteur i don't think so but is it a bad movie and then he says well that's kind of hard to say because the movie gives me so much joy and evokes such so many like emotional responses from me that it's really hard to describe it as bad. Yeah, it's no, it it isn't. It's a really bad movie. Well, of course it is, but what that's that's the paradigm that you're sure. working with in that like yeah. people want to go watch this thing for one reason or another. They genuinely that's it's really comes all the way back to twelve dates of Christmas. <laughs> people <laughs> ask us around does. the holiday season, like, you don't have to keep watching this to be funny, and I'm saying I actually enjoy watching 12 yeah. Dates of Christmas a, good time. a lot. I hate it. That I does, remember and the I'm moments we, we watched it together where you came to my house and I said, Josh, s- sit down. Yeah, it was like he something. played a trick on me. He, he just put it on and said, And I could see it that. washing over him <laughs> the same way it had over me. And I, I <laughs> honestly reacted to it like the room. I kept turning around and saying, what, what, what the? <laughs> and then I needed to know, so I had to go back to it, you know? Yeah. The next time I went to Tyler's house, I just turned it on again as if I can't watch it at my own house. (laughs) And that was like days later. And then, you know, like every Christmas season, I get excited about watching it. And part of it is, yeah, that it's bad and so bad it's good kind of thing. But I actually am enjoying it, not just to be funny. Like it's not just an irony. I'm enjoying the movie. So does that mean on some level to me, it's not a bad movie? Well, yeah, 12 Dates of Christmas carries a certain... unqualifiable charm in a way but the room the room, yeah the 12 dates of christmas is almost fun I, it probably has a lot to do with it being christmasy and and just cheesy but the room plays the same way where it's like it's bad where it's almost good but it's kind of dark the room well it's is, is certainly just you know unfathomably more bizarre and it's just like a series of non sequiturs strung <laughs> together by a very thin yeah. Yeah. plot line. And then the, the ending scene would make you think, I guess the whole thing was a tragedy? Yeah. It, it, was, was, a cry for, it was a cry for help. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like you'll all regret when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Who's going to buy you He did so dresses. well at the bank. Yeah, he bought dresses. Was he didn't get the promotion. It's just a bad time. For but Tommy. but there was some fun stuff. The football tuxedo scene. Sure. What well, was that about? It comes down to this. <laughs> no, no, man. Don't brush past <laughs> the tuxedo football. It comes down to this. We have, we hosted podcasts about movies. We watched lots of movies, good and bad. And we talk about them on the show and everything. Somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, you know, uh, how am I supposed to approach this artifact of pop culture in the room? Because right now it's a, it's a mythos, an entire mythology, a lore attached to it. There's a book, at least one book. Yeah. There might be more. The official yeah. one was written by Greg Sest- right. Sestro. That the movie's based on. Right. And then there's an adaptation of that book called The Disaster Artist. 
and that most people's exposure or connection to the room is probably going to be through the disaster artist. Uh, at least accompanied with the disaster artist. So what? Where do you know? Like, if you had to say, Patrick, you're given a recommendation to the guy comes. You're at the Christmas party, talking about Twelve Dates of Christmas, and somebody says, "Hey, speaking of bad movies, you should see The Room." And you go, "Oh, I have." And then another guy standing there says, "Wait, wh- what do you mean? You host a podcast about movies? Where? What should I do? Give them life advice." Yeah. At first, I would ask them and say, "Hey, have you seen those?" Most Marvel movies. Right? <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. How do we get there? <laughs> I like the Marvel movies. Oh, hear me out. Hear me out. All right. If you go to see one of the more recent ones without having seen any of them, you'll still have a very enjoyable experience. However, if you've seen the other ones, it makes a lot more sense why the characters are where they are. So you can see The Disaster Artist, and it's a good movie, and you'll probably enjoy it. If you wanted the full story and like the full enjoyment of what The Disaster Artist is supposed to do, you should watch the room first because I think they're setting it up like that. They presuppose you see the room to get half of the jokes they do because they do so much fanfare that is just for people who've seen the the room in it, you know. Mm-hmm. For that, I would say choose your own adventure. <laughs> Mike, having stuck to your guns, not seen the room, seen the disaster artist, and had a conflicted experience with it, I where did. do you sit now on the other side? Would you go back and do it all over again? Uh yeah, I would have, I would have watched the room with you guys. Mm. I regret that, but but so just say it, Tyler. You were right, Tyler. You were right. Okay, right. but with that caveat, he really needed and that. listening to this <laughs> conversation, my advice to those listening who haven't seen either would be just don't. No, would be if you want to be a real purist, only watch the room. Oh. Do not watch the disaster oh, artist and let your own mind fill in the blanks. Hmm. That's what I'm going to say. So you're saying the disaster artist is like the ultimate peek behind the curtain. Right. So if you want the magic. You want to be pure. Yeah. Don't see it. Then you'll be a real snob. You don't need all the answers. You can figure it out yourself. Yeah. And then there you go. It's like Christopher Nolan doesn't like extra features on his Blu-rays because he doesn't like too much information from behind the scenes. It feels like the right. movie should yeah. be the movie. And his fans, we love that. Yeah, That's just <laughs> yeah. Thanks love a lot, not seeing anything cool about how you shot that, those parts of the Dark Knight. A la- after the last couple movies, I don't care about any any extra features. <laughs> well, the the room has some great extra features. It sure does. Yes. And even that was some of the because when they saw them in the extra features, they put the cameras beside each other, and we're like, wait, what, what are, are they, they doing? doing? Yeah. yeah, and then they answer that in the disaster. The disaster artist. artist. Yeah, yeah. Even just the there's a question and answer uh, thing with the extra features. Where people ask him these very bizarre questions. What is the deal with the tuxedo football scene? And he's like, it's great. It's fun to Do throw the football. Again. <laughs> Do the voice. It's, it's great. Do the football. It's fun. That's French. And then now he sounds like <laughs> we he's, he's got the most bizarre accent. Yeah, it's so weird. He doesn't actually answer most of the questions. No, he, he just gives a string of bizarre... Because they ask, how much was it? Where are you from? How old are you? And he just like skirts around it. like mm. He's like adding to the mythos because he knows he'll get more press and publicity. That, that part, I think, okay, is definitely... Okay, so now you're uh, starting to fall into the camp of he knows what he's doing. I think... Well, here's what, here's what I have read. That he wanted it to be a serious drama. People were laughing... He then pretended later that he was like, oh, I was always going for making like a funny movie. And I think by then it was picking up that cult following and he realized, oh, I need to like keep this air of mystery because that's part of the reason people are into it and I'm going to make more money. So now he's like perpetuating something, I think. Do people think that he's the word like, realizing and things like that <laughs> attached to this man. I just don't know if I can do that. <laughs> like he can't, like, there's no level of revelation. Ju- I think this is just something that he's just wandering through it, life yeah, looking he, for the blood of virgins. Wow. <laughs> he, he vomited this out of him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, and I think that like, he, it is like a, a cry for help, you know, out to the unit. He's uh, explaining himself and the universe is <clears> against him. But in the end, him he showed the universe. But I don't think he planned it that way. And even to your point, like I think, it, I think even that 
your point is giving him too much credit from what Dang. I've seen. Yeah, I think it's like, more. It might be more like what Mike's saying is that he he did this thing. He had to, you know, he had this flow. He needed to spit. <laughs> he had to do this project. He got the project out. As in, <laughs> also a great Christmas film, uh, Family Stone. That is a this great. Has a discussion, Patrick. Write this down. <laughs> that, about a guy who just had I to carve said. a totem pole. Yeah, oh, that's well, this, what I said. Yeah, yeah you yeah. did say that. This that was, was his, a great. That was the, a great. Yeah, this was yeah. his totem pole. Yeah. yeah, it was his totem pole. It was a hole in his heart that he just had to create. Yeah. Uh-huh. He just had to do it, even though he didn't know how, and yeah. it took Clearly. him years to do it. He uh-huh. just had to do it. That was this guy's totem pole. Tommy's totem pole was the room. And I think then when the totem pole was erected, a train blew through town going like, well, here's the reaction to the movie. You can get on or you can let it go by. And he's like, I might as well get on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean? It's all reaction at this point. I agree with Mike. It's just he's rolling with it because it's working. Yeah, exactly. Right, I think so, but I think in the midst of that reaction, he perpetuated the mystery about himself to make the reaction more hyped. I think that's deliberate. Because how much, like, he could just be like, oh, yeah, I'm from Poland. Yeah, but even in the movie, and who knows, I didn't read the book, but no one knows his age before this thing happens. Or where yeah, he's from. That so I think that's just him. Like, yeah. What if he forgot? Maybe. <laughs> that's what I think. There's that, but there's that <laughs> there's scene where him and Greg are fighting in The Disaster Artist, and he's dyeing his hair. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, is the implication that he's going gray, and so he's dyeing his hair because actually he's like, Really old. Maybe it's a really maybe oh, happened earlier. That, yeah. Maybe. Well, because there was that weird, there was that weird footage in the room he's looking where even his older hair in real suddenly life right has now. that like red hue, and I was like, oh, yeah. "That's weird." But he's like ripped, man. He's he so really ripped. Tommy looks good. Movie. Yeah, but he he looks weathered and ripped, kind of like a like an old Stallone, you know? Yeah. Sure. But he put he a lot of work so into lucky. it. Like, yeah, we you showed, you showed Franco doing push-ups. Mike said he would give it extra credit just because they worked out for it. Yeah. You would do that for the room. It's a lot of it's a lot of Tommy's butt, really. Yeah, yeah you know, you know baby. exactly how buff his butt is. Muscular. <laughs> and in the Disaster Artist, we get the inside scoop because he says the world needs to see it to sell the movie. Really? Yeah, yeah. So My tail hole. Chin ups and stuff. Real American movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah Zac Efron was great in this too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he was, was freaking too. hilarious as yeah. Chris R. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's the I know to leave this conversation yeah. on is that Zach Efron is great in the disaster <laughs> artist. Yeah. There have to be a handful, if not more, room enthusiasts listening to this episode, and you probably are frustrated with us for not picking up on all the brilliant nuances and funny, uh, intricate details about the room and the disaster artist. So let us know what we missed by leaving a comment on this episode at youhatemovies.com. While you're there, you may as well subscribe to the podcast and comment on the other hundred plus episodes uh, to keep the power on down here at You Hate Movies Studios. <laughs>